1: people of the internet welcome to modern day debate i am your guest host kaz and tonight we have t-jump crossing swords with leo philius we have uh 10 minutes of opening uh statements followed by 60 minutes of open discussion and 30 minutes of q a going first tonight is leo philius and uh leo philius if your first word the floor is all
2: yours
3: i think i think he left i think he what? ran away
2: oh no sorry about that everybody my 90 my year old grandmother needed a quick favor family matters it just took a few seconds had to go just had to take care of that really quick I apologize folks
1: no problem hey uh, so your first word you can uh, have the floor for your opening statement
2: righty yeah hi I'm uh, Leo Philius. Uh, I should be linked in the description below so I'm not gonna spend too much on too much time on that so yeah
3: oh just to clarify like your name is in the thing uh, Bilk eel.
2: Oh, yeah. So, so that says Bill Keel Agrami. If you happen to know who Akil Bill Grammy is, you'll get it if you don't. I'm sorry. Anyway, Marxism. Yeah, Marxism is an interesting subject. Um, I have to be honest. I I, I haven't seen uh, T-Jump talk about specifically Marxism much. I have seen a few of his debates on on socialism, but me personally, I think socialism is tangential to Marxism fundamentally, um, not, not saying that he doesn't know what he's talking about, just I've never heard what he's had to say on this, so I, I won't make any statements about his his beliefs or anything like that, because, you know, I just don't have anything to work from. Um Marxism is reasonably complex. It's more of a philosophical and sociological analytic methodology more than it is anything Um, So what I'm going to try to do here is briefly summarize three of the prominent areas of at least Marxism as I hold to it, which would be orthodox Marxism. And those are dialectical materialism, the metaphysical framework, historical materialism, the historical analysis, and the labor theory of value, the economic analysis. So let me just jump right into this. Dialectical materialism was was pioneered by Karl Marx, who was in his early days, a young Hegelian. It is built off of a Hegelian philosophy, but Marx didn't really like the idealistic way, the idealism that Hegel used to look at the world. So he took the the dialectic that Hegel developed, but he inserted it into what he would have called a materialistic framework. What this was, what dialectical materialism is, is it says that we should not look at the world as some static and unchanging entity that we build systems around such that our systems don't ever change and are static and unchanging with the world. This is not going to be successful with humans. And the reason for that is because the the world is not the universe. Reality is not a static and unchanging entity. You might think if you took any solid object that's sitting around you and you stared at it for 15 minutes, it's not gonna look like it changes. But if you could look look at it under a microscope or what have you, you would notice that there are a variety of wild changes occurring to the system that makes up that object. And this was an observation that Marx and then later Friedrich Engels, his closest colleague uh, developed that the world is in a state of, number one, the world is material, it's physical. And that's that. We shouldn't presume that there's anything else beyond it because that just muddies the waters in terms of helping us understand reality and our place within it if we start to think that everything was designed specifically for us when that obviously doesn't seem to be the case. So reality is fundamentally material. It is in a state of constant flux, and we should base our systems on this. That is a basis of what dialectical materialism is. This prescribes what Marx would have called historical materialism, which was more a historiological analysis of societies, where Marx said that the ways that societies develop is directly rooted in the development of their productive forces which is something that is either promoted or either incentivized or potentially disincentivized by uh, something Marx would have called class society. That class society is – when you consider the the whole framework for how long humans have existed for, you know, at least a couple hundred thousand years, class society is very, very new in human society, and it is a result of – it is a result of the ways – that humans have developed in terms of moving towards systems that allow humans to produce more than what uh, any particular tribe or clan, what have you, would have needed. And this eventually led into the development of a class society, a society where there are classes of people that have different material conditions and prescribed by that different material interests, and that there is an antagonism between these classes as a result of different interests that they have being prescribed by a difference in the material conditions material conditions being the th- like do you have enough food do you have enough water do your shelter all of those kinds of things and your material interests are the things that you seek so most people are probably going to be concerned with pursuing you know a job and earning money so that they can put food on their table and pay their bills and get water and raise their kids. Those are their material interests. But then there's a class of people that don't have to worry about those things. They have the ability to have interests and pursue interests that go beyond that. Art, science, technology, culture, what have you and it was the movement towards a class society that afforded a particular class within society the ability to focus on those things that led to the cultural development of humans and this is where marx would say that class society despite currently being something that is more detrimental to human society at some point was beneficial to it it's why we were capable of developing the technological advances and the cultural advances that we were going even further than that. He then started to take this and examine that within a, an economic framework whereby he said that so many economists throughout history, including people like Adam Smith, David Ricardo, um, Foyer, m- many of these, these, these uh, classical liberals, these, these classical political economists, they struggled to define what value was in an economy. Now, Adam Smith, along with other people, I think Robert Owen was one of them. I think David Ricardo spoke about it a little bit. I think it was – I know I know Adam Smith mentioned it in The Wealth of Nations, um, Was, um, but it wasn't the only one, was something called the labor theory of value. I think Adam Smith also introduced um, – I don't know if he was the first one to do it, but I believe he also introduced uh, the subjective <laughs> theory of value in The Wealth of Nations. But what M- Marx said was that value – isn't some subjective thing if that were the case why is it that when i want to go buy a car i can't buy it for twenty thousand dollars less than what it's being offered for because the value isn't subjective um what what marx would have said and what somebody like myself an orthodox marxist would say is that value the value of a product is rooted in the amount of socially necessary labor, which is the amount of average labor. Because I mean, if you got two people, one takes three hours to produce product X, the other one takes six hours to produce the exact same product. The the average between those is going to be the socially necessary labor requisite to the production of a product. That's what value is to a Marxist. And this concept of value was proposed by Marx because he believed it helped to explain something that's known as long-run equilibrium prices or the long-term prices around which the supply-demand curves tend to fluctuate. Uh, I would argue that there has been no other economic system that's been capable of predicting why there are long-run equilibrium prices, at least not as accurately as Marx had. So uh, what I've said is very simplistic. Marxism is not a simplistic thing. I've tried to do my best in the time allotted. I don't really know how much time I've used or how much time I've had left. It's not really important to try to give a brief summary of Orthodox Marxism, at least. Uh, I I should say anything dealing with Leninism and Stalinism and Maoism or Castroism or anything like that, anarcho-communism, I'm not here to discuss that. I I don't defend those. I don't advocate for those. I don't agree with those. Those aren't my positions. So for me personally, those are things that I just don't care about. Those aren't what I defend. They don't matter to me. So that's a brief summary of some various areas of Marxism is at least as brief as I can get in the time allotted while trying to retain some of the technicalities. But for anybody that's hearing something and they have questions, you can throw them in, in the comment section. We'll get to them in the Q&A or I would recommend reading Marxist theory. Uh, The Three Volumes of Capital, Socialism, Utopian and Scientific by Engels, The State and Revolution by Lenin. Um, There's a variety of work out there for anybody who is genuinely curious, regardless of whether the questions they have are inquisitory or critical. And I guess I'll just leave it there.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Leo. And we'll go ahead and kick it over to T-Jump for his opening statement. T-Jump, the floor is all yours.
3: Uh, yeah. So I didn't really hear much about why we should adopt Marxism or why Marxism is good. The only thing he said was that it made predictions of long-term economic trends, which I I don't know. I've never seen any successful predictions of the Marxist ideology. Um, <laughs> all of the economic studies that have been done, empirical studies, to try to confirm um, Marxist predictions, have either come up ambiguous or negative. Like there haven't been any like successful economic predictions that have been attributed to Marxism in economics or any other field, as far as I know, most of them have been attributed to be false. So I don't really know what the point uh, Leo is trying to argue for here. I don't know what exactly the positive claim he's making is that we should adopt Marxism because why? What is the the thing we're looking for here? Uh, But just to take a brief detour from that, hopefully we can talk about that in the Q&A. Marxism has a various number of criticisms, especially in academia, which include general criticisms of the lack of internal consistency. That's one of the big ones. Uh, the labor theory of value and the tendency for profit to decrease over time, those are inconsistent. They have a contradiction within them, which causes a problem. If your worldview is contradictory, well, then it's probably wrong. It kind of has to be wrong. That's what contradiction means. Uh, there are a number of criticisms related to historical materialism. Um the type of historical determinism, necessity of suppression of individual rights that associated with Marxist ideologies uh, has a problem because it decreases a significant amount of uh, potential for growth, uh, incentives, technological growth, societal growth. Um, there's issues with implementation of the economic policies that Marx advocated for. He said that socialism is going to be a necessary result in all capitalist economies, there's going to be a socialist revolution. That one's a false, obviously a false prediction. In fact, the opposite is the case. It's not the developing world that makes transitions into socialism. It's the underdeveloped world that makes transitions into socialism, and they are incredibly unsuccessful. All of the most successful economies in the world are mixed economies. Marxist prediction about what a successful economy would look like have all pretty much been wrong um, throughout all history. The only Marxist Communist socialist governments are mostly like China, and that's only successful because of its size. The other ones, the other Marxist governments, are like Vietnam and Laos, which are not very successful. So, if Marx was correct that this was a significantly more successful program, economic program, then we would expect that the most successful countries in the world would probably adopt it, which they haven't. So, Marx's predictions about what would happen in these economies have been wrong. He also, his prediction about the decreasing rate of uh, profit was wrong. Like all the profits that have been measured based off of all the different standard criteria we use have been showing profits have been increasing, not decreasing. Um, his understanding of machines was wrong, and how machines can actually create a surplus of profit in the same way a labor force can, even though there is a expenditure of resources. Like you work for a day and you burn yourself out, and you have no more energy. That doesn't have a net decrease for your overall value. You come into work the next day and you just keep doing it. Machines are the same way. And so their overall value doesn't decrease over time in the same way that Marx prescribed. His understanding of economics has just been essentially shown to be false in a number of ways. Um, and I don't see any reason why we should adopt this policy uh, or this economic principle that he espouses, especially because the he, Leo mentioned Engels and Ingalls is uh, like, laws or principles or whatever, which are all super vague platitudes. They don't really mean anything or tell us anything about economic uh, what we should do economically or what's going to happen economically. They're just vague little happy statements that you can interpret in whatever way you want. Uh, So I don't see any reason why we should adopt this as a principle to assess economics anything or to look at the world in any significant way. It's vague. It's self-contradictory. There are Issues with this implementation, like I said, trying to implement these kinds of economic suggestions usually lead to very bad outcomes. There's an absence of price signals, which causes a significant problem economically. There's reduced incentives, which causes significantly more problems. And empirical and epistemological problems are frequently identified, and it contradicts most of this research we have in economics. So I think just overall, it's been shown to be false, and there's no reason to adopt it in the current economic systems we have today in the mixed mixed economies that we have are preferable. And if I was going to start a new country or whatever, it seems like I would be more rational to adopt the economic models that are used in the most successful countries, none of which use the Marxist model. So I don't see any reason why we should take this seriously.
1: All right. Thank you so much, T. Jump. And before we kick it into the open discussion, I want to let you know, folks, especially if it's your first time here with us at Modern Day Debate, that we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. And we want you to feel welcome no matter what walk of life you're from. And if you have a question or comment from one of tonight's debaters, fire into the old live chat. And be sure to tag me at Modern Day Debate. Super chats go to the top of the list. All that we ask is that you please keep it civil. Attack the argument and not the person. As insults will not be read. And that goes for the general discourse in the live chat as well. Our invaluable moderators are working tirelessly to elevate the conversation. So please show them, the debaters, and each other. um, And show them each other and the moderators, the respect that they deserve by not attacking each other and hurling insults. Our guests are linked in the description below, whether you're listening on YouTube or via the podcast. So please check them out. If you like what you're hearing and hit the subscribe button, please, because we uh, have plenty more live debates coming your way. You don't want to miss. And with that, we will go ahead and kick it into the open discussion for our interlocutors. Uh, their first word whenever they're ready.
3: Yeah. man, I love to hear like, Again, I didn't really understand from his opening what what the goal of his position is. What specifically about Marxism are you advocating for?
2: Uh, I guess I don't understand the question. So Marxism doesn't prescribe no. things for us to do, it's just an analytic methodology.
3: No, I'm asking you, like analogy. what is your prescription? Like in is your position in the debate I, I don't have one.
2: I just take it as an, as an analytic methodology and I agree with the analysis that it provides.
3: No, I mean, like, are you saying that we should adopt the Marxist analysis over this other analysis because something?
2: Oh, because I think it's more accurate. Why? Uh, because I think that the things that Marx said have, have largely been shown to be true. Examples.
3: I'm, 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 I'm uh, so,
2: add. well, like you said, the the tendency of the rate of profit to fall... You, you do know that that has been acknowledged by a large portion of neoclassical political economists, right? Many of no, them have back tried to explain so it. So yeah, all it of the
3: studies, like there's been a number of studies from the 1970s onward and previously, all the data is inconclusive. There's no actual support in this. There's no consensus on the topic. Much of it is mixed. Much of it shows that there's no results. I can just give you a reference right here. Uh, yeah, I'd love seven. to see that. Uh, even trim off profit rates in developed capitalist economics and time in series Munich, Uh, 2018, report mixed results and argue that the answer is not yet certain due to conflicting findings and the issue of appropriate measuring the TRPF. Mm -hmm. That's just one of them. Here's one from, these are big names that I can't pronounce, from 2011, thermos, diskless, Cogger something, technological development, a long run profit rates dynamic in the US manufacturing sector. There's a Marcelo or one. Uh, profit rate in the U.S. 1949 to 2007, these are all studies, Oscar, Jorda, these are all studies analyzing this exact thing and whether or not Marx's principle was correct or not. There is no accepted findings here. Just, Just not the case.
2: Well, yeah, and those studies. But like, I, I didn't say that all economists acknowledge it, just that, that a lot of them do acknowledge the tendency of the rate of profit to fall. There's many that, like you're showing, try to explain that away. I'm, I'm not surprised. They're neoclassical political economists. Their job is to defend the, the status quo. Um, so I would expect that they're probably going to try to argue away the tendency of the rate of profit to fall. I just don't think they're successful in it.
3: Well, I'm, I'm making more of like a climate change argument. There are a lot of scientists who reject climate change. They're just the minority. They're not the consensus. The consensus is that this hasn't been shown to be successful. And it's a huge consensus. It's not like a small consensus. So saying that there are a lot of some of them, some of the economists who grant this is like saying there's a lot of scientists who reject climate change. That's nice. But what I care about, what's relevant to science is what is the consensus in the field? I mean, do you think the consensus in the field supports this principle?
2: I actually, I don't really know. I I guess I would, I would liken it not to climate change, but more to like quantum foundations where amongst professionals talking about it, there's quite quite a bit of a split as to Copenhagen versus Everettian versus relational. I would look at it something more like that. I don't think economics is really as a field rooted as solidly as in empirical data as like physics or chemistry or biology is as a result of the sociological underpinnings of what what economies are.
3: Well, sort of. But I'd say that, I mean, there's definitely a lot of empirical underpinnings in, the com- in economics. But sure, why if we're comparing countries how many countries accept this and how many countries reject it and use the more classical economic model?
2: Well, I I don't think that the acceptance or rejection of models by countries bears on the merits of those models.
3: I do. Like, If you have a model that is significantly more successful or does something better, then any country who would adopt that model would have an advantage in some case. And so it's more likely that it would be adopted by other countries. So the fact that it's not accepted by most countries is a good indicator that it's not a model that many countries have confidence in, and they have confidence in a different model that has been very successful for them. So it's a pretty good argument that if you are proposing some kind of a model, either an economic model or a political model, um, if that model is actually more successful to some reasonable degree, then we would see people who adopt that model equally be more successful to a reasonable degree, and we just don't see that
2: i I guess I just don't agree that countries not adopting a model means that it, it must not be successful or that it's more likely to be unsuccessful. To me, that comes off as more of an argumentum at populum that, well, an idea, if if it's if some idea is more popular and used by more people or believed by more people, then that's an indication that that idea is probably more accurate than another. I, I just don't see a good argument for why I should think neoclassical political economics is... is more meaningful than, than a marxist political economic analysis
3: in theory like if it's never been tested sure like if you just come up with a new idea and say well no one's ever tested this well then we can't know one way or the other but this has been tested there's lots of people who have adopted this model and they don't have any discernible advantage economically from adopting. Who's adopted a,
2: model. a marxist model
3: china laos vietnam and In what
2: way ones. has in virtue of what is china marxist
3: uh, the the basis of their economy they're, they're communist marxist that's like they don't uh, have
2: billionaires in China Jack Ma's a billionaire they don't okay. have private capital accumulation and a private ownership of the means of production in China yes they do you can start your own business in China now sure they have more you know regulatory capture. And there's more, you know, government regulation. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the means of production in China aren't privately owned and controlled and that a capital accumulation isn't private. It certainly we, is. I thought we
3: were talking about just the philosophy, like using the philosophy to analyze systems by comparing societal growth to different kinds of Class systems, like they do that. They they don't they don't listen to all the social communist stuff that Marxism says. But I thought that was a different topic. I thought we were just talking about well,
2: socialism stuff. and communism are prescribed at least right. in some sense by Marxism. But I I don't know what it is that China's doing that that's Marx. Well, well, they're
3: they're using the epistemology that you're presenting, the economic theory that you're presenting to analyze systems. So they're using the Marxist system to evaluate different economies and saying using this class structure model to test or evaluate a different economic system. So they're using the thing you're talking about in the way that they analyze economics.
2: Yeah, I guess I just don't understand what you mean. I don't know what China's using that would be explicitly Marxist. It seems that China is just another... Large, largely imperialist well, nation. Like, I, mean, I would say even more so than the United States just operating under the, the status quo, the neoclassical political economic model that's dominated the planet for the last roughly 270 years, 300 Well, they years. use like
3: historical materialism and dialectic materialism as a basis to assess economies. Like, saying they say they use those things. Like America doesn't use those things. They don't care about them at all. Most of them oh, I agree economies that. don't.
2: I I guess... Uh, sure. I, ga- I guess I could grant that China might use those. I don't see why that would be important. It doesn't seem that much is turning on their use of that, I would say.
3: Well, that's what I, what I was confused about your opening, because you seem to be prescribing the epistemology of Marxism and separating that from its implementation as two different Well, I, I
2: would. But Marx and Engels never laid out how to implement socialism or communism because they, they broke – from the utopian socialists. They didn't think that socialism or communism was a thing that, well, if everybody just kind of held hands in sung kumbaya, we'd get there. They saw them as inevitable results of the revolutionary development of, of a human society. Marxism doesn't prescribe what we should do. It's just a way of analyzing largely, well, in Marxist time, classical political economy, but today more neo- Right. So, so
3: people who use that system to analyze economies are like China, Laos, Vietnam. They use the system that you're prescribing to analyze economies. They may not try to direct themselves towards what Marx would have directed themselves, but they do use that epistemology to assess things. Now, if you're right that that epistemology is more accurate and answers problems that others don't, then those countries should have some kind of an economic advantage. They should get something right that other countries aren't getting right. They should know something or solve something that the other countries aren't getting right, which would give them an advantage. But I don't see that happening. So all of the countries that are adopting the Marxist epistemology that you're talking about, whether or not they actually implement it, don't seem to have any greater knowledge or insight into economics than anybody else.
2: Well, yeah, but I I can grant that they're using a Marxist um, Motive analysis. I don't really think that they are, but I can just grant that I don't think much turns on that. Sh- sure, that nothing is changing. They they just are just not acting on it. It would be like me setting my hand on a stovetop, recognizing that my hand is getting burned, but just refusing to lift my hand off of it. They're just refusing to act. That okay. could you? I don't see how that would bear on the validity. Uh, that's not. I don't think that's the right word I want to use. The um uh, the um the merits rather of of a Marxist analysis.
3: Okay, so could you tell me what? Prescriptions? You would say that a Marxist analysis would give us that they should be doing, but aren't.
2: Um, I don't think a Marxist analysis really prescribes much. I, I think, think that
3: contradict what you just said before.
2: Well, I, I think that what Marxism is is, like I said, an analytic methodology, and that what Marx and Engels discovered is that if we use, if we're taking this this method that we use, what we'll discover is that there are just intrinsic aspects there are intrinsic aspects of the development of human society and that what Marx and Engels called socialism and then later communism were intrinsic aspects they weren't something we can do to society to make it better you Marx would not have said this is what you need to do to make socialism or to make Marxism be a thing in the world that that's not he wouldn't have said that because that wasn't the goal of what he was laying out, the goal of what he was laying out was, an, was a critique and an analysis of classical political economy under a capitalist mode of production. And all I'm saying is that I think that many of the statements made by that, that analytic methodology are accurate.
3: OK, so I need like a concrete example. So let's say
2: well, I would say the tendency of the rate of profit to fall. I think the fact that many, not necessarily all or most, but many even neoclassical political economists have recognized this and have tried to explain it away shows that the tendency of the rate of profit to fall is a thing that happens in the world and that the, neo- the neoclassicals are just trying to find a way to explain it, away to protect the status quo.
3: It's it's false. Like I, I have the study, and I literally just closed them Can yeah, I but say, there, there are studies on it. But I would
2: I would have know, to like it's, believe it's them. Like, like I don't know despair. what they say.
3: So uh, which one tendency of rate and profit to fall from time to time? Research units of banks and government departments proceed procedure studies the rates of profitability in various sectors of industry. Uh, Eighty eight, for example. Palais S. Anderson profit shares investment and now, bankers. There's a bunch of just a list of things. The National Statistics Office of Britain now released company profitability statistics every quarter showing increasing profits. So you're saying opposite. that because corporate
2: profits are going up, therefore the tendency of the rate of profits fall is false.
3: Uh sort of. So this study is specifically analyzing that principle. It's this is this was just on the first empirical tests of the labor theory of value tendency of the rate of profit to fall it's just the wiki of the tendency of rate of profit to fall This was studies done specifically on this to see if it was the case and they found contradicting results
2: i would say i think if you're talking about the wiki because i i have looked at the wikipedia page on that. i mean everybody's looked at the wikipedia page on everything anyway obviously i'm being facetious but everyone has um, seen every
3: wikipedia <laughs> of everything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i've read every
2: everything. wikipedia page on everything ever <laughs> but i i guess what i would say is that i i think what they're trying to do Because Marx was quite careful here. He said that the tendency of the rate of profit to fall is not a law. It doesn't occur universally across the board. There are ways that a capitalist can mitigate that problem. It's a tendency, not a law. It's just that... Yeah, a capitalist might be able to mitigate it for six, eight, 10, 12 years, but again,
3: the profit
2: profit is, well, I don't think, I would think there's numerous points in history we explicitly see. I think that's what's happening now. I think that's part of the reason we're seeing the inflation that we're seeing is because corporations are artificially inflating prices to combat the fact that people aren't purchasing as much products and their ability to generate a profit on those products quarter over quarter, year over year, whatever is trending downward. So what are they going to do? They're going to try to find ways to mitigate that because obviously the profit incentive is maybe not the only, but certainly one of the primary incentives for operation under a capitalist mode of production. They're gonna if 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 it were true, I just want you to bear with me here, if if it were true that that the tendency to generate profit year over year goes down, don't you think that capitalists would probably try to find ways to mitigate that if they could?
3: Sure, that would obviously.
2: Do you think that they would? Be reasonably successful in potentially mitigating that problem
3: mitigating the problem yes but that just means decreasing the rate at which it goes down so it would go down slower but or there they're, could be they're like reversing the, the problem and goes back down right you can reverse
2: it, the process but only temporarily
3: but you, yes but you can't reverse a process like tens and tens of 20 of times over and just keep reversing the process for hundreds of years and have it still work that doesn't make any sense
2: well yeah i i agree i think that's largely the reason why societally we're facing many of the problems that we are
3: well that's literally just the past like the entire past 300 years of just every capitalist country has been nothing but the opposite of that
2: i guess in virtue of what
3: Economic growth, technological growth, machine growth, worker growth, even though wages are stagnant and –
2: You don't think public funding had anything to do with any of that?
3: Sure it did. What what is –
2: I I would argue that public funding probably had more to do with a lot of technological developments, the internet, rocketry, nuclear energy. Well, but – uh, when when you're investing public funds there isn't really a need to make a profit so if not necessarily all i can just grant that it isn't all but a lot of our the, the, technological the, developments are the result second, of public second, funding back, then back, there, back, back. there isn't any profit to be made so it can't drop there isn't a rate of profit at all there
3: but it's growing that's the point so all it's growing the rate of profit is growing the profitability the and all. the rate
2: of profit are not the same thing sure so profitability can go up, but the rate of profit can still be trending downward the over or go the, up. the long run.
3: We can so. still go up too, yes. Yes.
2: Well yeah, I think that it it has gone up because capitalists attempt to mitigate this problem inflating prices um you know things like outsourcing jobs, cutting back on jobs, cutting back on ways, ways of reducing things like variable what, what, capital and what does and mitigate?
3: Whatnot. What does mitigate
2: mean? Um reduce the effects of or temporarily negate the effects of some right, problem. Right. So
3: if it, if it's going up, that's that's not mitigation, that's magnification. It could
2: be. I mean if it's going up, but it was going down before and then it goes down after, you wouldn't call the in-between more probably just a mitigation of a problem?
3: Um, at some point, yeah, over small periods of time, if it goes up over just like a, a quick shoot and then just crashes or something, yeah, that would be a great example of mitigation. If it consistently goes up for hundreds of years, you can't call that a mitigation anymore. That's just I don't think like,
2: profits have increased over hundreds of years. I think that there's been, well, I, I guess over the long run, I think that you could say that they have, but I think that that's been a rise and then a fall, and then a rise and then a fall. Because well, of I'd that
3: say, it, like any the graph, there's ups and downs, but the, the yeah. trend is what's important. What is the trend?
2: Well, but the thing is, is that I guess under the labor theory of value, we're not really looking at like trends per se. What's being What's being analyzed here is what happens when capitalists seek profits. They end up losing the ability to generate profits, mitigate those problems, or potentially invest in other industries. Their profit, their, their ability to make a profit goes back up, but then that either stagnates and levels out, or it begins and usually begins to dry. I think that there's examples of this in history. I would argue that the 1929 economic collapse was a result of this, the 2008 economic collapse. I would argue that this is what causes economic bubbles profit seeking resulting in an oversaturation of commodities in a market such that people just stop buying them and you're not selling anything what's going to happen you're not going to make any money the bubble's going to burst and the ability to generate profit and the value are just going to plummet that's that's actually exactly what happened in 2008 when the the housing bubble burst
3: no it's cuz people overbought houses they, just, they kept buying houses more why than did they, their they houses. overbuy houses because they were given loans. Everyone was given a loan. Well, what, even if you pay yeah.
2: Those. Exactly. Why do you think that the banks did that? Do you think that they were trying to increase their, their well, rate the rate of banks, profit the banks on the loans didn't... that they were giving out, knowing no. that if they gave out more loans and gave more lucrative loans to people, they would be able to generate more profit off of people no, taking those it was loans?
3: Loopholes, because they're giving them to people who couldn't pay the loans, and that's what caused the yeah. But why do you
2: think they were doing that? Why were uh, they be- giving loans to people that they they couldn't afford them? Do you think they it had weren't. to do with the, the to banks? Make money? The banks weren't the
3: intermediaries, were. the intermediaries. Were the intermediaries were making profit off of it, and then. Subs like breaking the law and giving them to the people who literally didn't qualify because they're giving intermediate? Uh, like the banks are the uh, intermediaries. No, 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 no. There's like people who can sell loans to people and sell houses to people as a they do that intermediary.
2: Through banks. Yeah, but they do that through banks too, financially.
3: Yeah, so, so it's, but again, it's not the banks. There is a group of people who work. The money comes from the bank. Yes, illegally because they so are if illegally the giving information. is lost. The
2: bank is losing money. No, 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 again.
3: So this was not the bank giving out money. This was people illegally offering certain rates to people who couldn't qualify for those rates, and because of that, which the banks didn't know about, banks were not at fault here. They were that seemed like good loans to the banks when they weren't, and so the banks paid them out because it seemed like good loans when they weren't. So it wasn't the banks weren't. The the primary cause there was there's a bunch of legal.
2: I I I don't don't know who these intermediaries would be if they weren't themselves. Watch watch the big shorts. But I don't watch movies to get my economic information.
3: They have lots of great papers referenced in there. So it's just like it's just fine. So like I think one of the greatest. Critiques of Marx was from Karl Popper. I like you and good, good philosopher guy. He said historical materialism was a very scientific theory, made predictions. The predictions were proven false, and then a bunch of ad hoc nonsense get added in to try and make it unfalsifiable. It was a falsified theory, and that's kind of what I think we're seeing here. So, because of the ambiguity of Marxism, it says uh, the rate of profit will fall, except when it doesn't. Except, except when. The capitalists like just they avoid it. They they use evasion tactics to make well, it unironically,
2: new. yes. The capitalist will find ways to mitigate his loss of profits. I I like honestly teach him. I think you would agree with that if well, what, it were the case that the capitalists were losing profits. We, we like we, like which is granted that, that doesn't actually happen in the real world. If it were to happen, you really don't think a capitalist. Well, would no no to no. The, the
3: point here is the your principle. If the capitalists were not doing anything to mitigate it and the profits were just going up, your principle would say, oh, they're just mitigating it. You don't have a way to differentiate whether it's actually working or whether or not you actually, have hoc principle. Oh, you do.
2: Yes. If profits were going up, but we could see that capitalists aren't, you know, doing anything to adjust value or um um differences, ratios between constant and variable capital, because that's ultimately where the tendency of the rate of profit fall comes from. The capitalist is trying to reduce the amount of variable capital necessary. To the production of goods because that's under the labor theory of value where value is rooted in. It's rooted in the variable capital. But if the value of a product is rooted in variable capital and variable capital is going down, then the value of the product is also going to drop. So what you would see is that over long periods of time you're gonna see this, you're just gonna see these consistent dips in the in the, the rate of profit and then attempts by the capitalists to mitigate that that result that are that are, are you, the uh, results the of the things like was, outsourcing jobs, reducing wages, go back, go back, reducing go back, benefits. Go back. So the question was, uh, price do you, gouging.
3: Hold up, hold up. The question was is how do you differentiate whether it's actually going up and you're just making stuff up to try and make it fit your model versus it's really going down and you're just saying capitalists are doing whether it fits with a
2: Marxist framework if profits were going up but capitalists weren't like necessarily doing anything to mitigate that like we know what kinds of practices capitalists engage in when they try to, to to mitigate a loss of profits I've already named some they outsource jobs they reduce wages they reduce hours they do they they lobby for lower tax rates they do all of these things to increase the amount of Sure. profit that the company develops yeah. so if they were developing profit but none of those things were happening then we would say oh well then yeah the, t- the, the, the the tendency of the rate of profit to fall is false but i don't think there's a place where you can show me this where bitcoin. they're not also where they're not also lobbying for tax breaks where they're not bitcoin? also outsourcing jobs bitcoin. all of the what's happening with bitcoin right now
3: Yes, it's, it's going crashing, down, but wait, 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 wait. They didn't do any of the things you listed, and they made a shit ton also, of.
2: Also, Bitcoin isn't rooted in labor, so it doesn't really have value under the labor theory of value. So I don't see why yes, it would even but be. But its relevant.
3: value increased, so it has no value. Yeah, but it value. doesn't have
2: value uh, uh, to uh, to the labor. So under okay. your definition of value, it might have value. Yes, but then you're just not using the labor theory of value's yes, definition. Yes, because the labor then, theory of value is not, wrong. What? It, what? So what? How does the labor theory of value define value?
3: Uh, the amount of work required in a society to produce some good or something along those lines.
2: Yeah. So how much work do you need to do to make one Bitcoin? What what, what, what are you doing? Yeah. So you're not actually really doing anything. You're not like taking some natural resource and turning it into a, a, a product, are you?
3: Yes, correct.
2: So then you're not adding value.
3: From your theory, you yeah, can
2: ha- you can have, yeah, exactly. But if you're going to criticize wait, 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 wait. the labor so, theory, so, 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 but wait, hold here. on. If you're going to criticize the labor theory of value, you should probably do that by using its definition of value.
3: Well, no, that's what I'm saying is that that definition of value is wrong because there's other Why? kinds of value. There's other well, kinds there of value. There being
2: other kinds of value, there's other versions of how life evolved. That doesn't mean evolution is false because there's other ways to describe it, like creationism, which doesn't really describe it. But I think you get the point.
3: No, don't. don't get the point.
2: Okay, so there being other ways to define value doesn't mean some particular way of defining it must no, be wrong.
3: No, no, no. So going back to remember you said uh, labor theory value states that the rate of profit is going to fall necessarily. But if there's other no, ways to – No, produce- not
2: necessarily. It's a tendency, not a law.
3: Like it has to over time fall I think is, is that the conclusion. Like it, Over it, long it,
2: periods of time, we will see dips in the rate of profit. Yes, and that will be a result of the oversaturation of commodities in a market and thereby a decrease in their value.
3: Can it go up indefinitely? Does it? No, have to go? absolutely right. not. So, so the labor theory value says it has to fall at some point, right?
2: It has well, to. Well, it's going yes. to. Yes, not that it has to. It's but just if that there's it
3: will. other ways of generating value, which will stop that from happening, then it won't fall.
2: Yeah, I, I guess. But that would just depend on what you meant by value. I don't think that you would be using value there the same way that an LTV would be using it.
3: Well, obviously, because they, they only count value as the labor thingy. And I'm saying, well, that's not the only kind of value. So this the thing that we use to assess the labor theory of value is the products are being made by people, which is fine. And the rate of profit fall can be inflated, can be inflated by the other things that labor theory of value doesn't call value. So their value in in every other economic sense and every other economy around the world says these other things are valuable, too. And they raise the profits They go up from these other things. And so this dip that we're seeing in labor theory value just doesn't happen because it doesn't incorporate these other things that are actually really valuable.
2: What do you mean by valuable? Because a a, a Marxist would say that there might be things that are valuable, but don't contain value. Value because there's no socially necessary labor requisite to their direct production.
3: Well, so for example, like using Bitcoin, Bitcoin as a means to transfer wealth or to bypass securities and governments or to evade taxes. Like there are lots of values to this system that people use it for to make lots of money and do things, which that can then be translated into real work. Um, even though the creation of a Bitcoin is pressing a button, so on the labor theory value, it has zero value, it actually does. That zero value actually can then be translated into real work value outside of it, which is a mathematical problem in the theory of value because it doesn't count this as anything. How does the zero? And so, since this system can produce something that can translate into real work, um, but it's not accounted for in the labor theory of value, it's a gigantic weakness in the theory
2: what about Bitcoin can be translated into physical labor performed by a laborer, like in a plant or a, like a manufacturing. Well, facility. like if
3: I can use it to evade taxes, that's work I've done that money I'm getting. That I don't wouldn't...
2: think, I don't think you've spent, you haven't taken a natural, a physical, natural resource and what? turned it into a useful tool. No, no, that's no, what saying, labor I'm is saying, though to, what, to LTV.
3: I'm saying like I do work and I get well, paid money. Labor. So, so I do, let's say, let's say I, I, I don't know. Um, pick berries or something and Mm -hmm. some percent of that is taxed and if i can use bitcoin to avoid that taxes that work that i've done can be i can use bitcoin to save more of the work i've done well
2: what you would be doing is using bitcoin as a way of capturing more of the surplus value that would be the difference the excess value between what you're paid and what you actually generate in terms of what what you do so if you pick berries and you're paid say 20 bucks an hour but in that same hour that you earn $20 you pick $100 worth of berries that $80 is the, the excess the surplus value if you used bitcoin to avoid tax loopholes to make that that let, let's say that in an hour you're actually earning $26 all you've done is just reduce the excess the excess value between what you produce and what you earn but i i'm not understanding yeah that 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 fits in the LTV, I'm what I'm. I guess I'm a little confused here.
3: If it's generating value, but you say it has no value, that doesn't fit. That's a contradiction.
2: What What do you take value to be?
3: What do I take value to be? Uh, I've no. In idea an economic
2: sense, that. I should specify.
3: Um, anything that makes people's lives easier.
2: Yeah, that just wouldn't be what value is to somebody in the labor. I'm not even necessarily saying that what you said is like wrong, but that's just not.
3: I know. I know. How... I think, but th- my whole argument here is that the labor theory value, the Marxist system is stupid and it doesn't really account for value and it doesn't really account for economics. It's not right, but it gives a use. very
2: specified definition of value.
3: I know it does, but I think it's stupid. I think mine's better. Well, in
2: virtue of what?
3: It doesn't account for the things I mentioned. Like my definition of value is anything that makes people's lives easier. I think that's a better definition of value, a better way to assess economic Why is it better? Um, It accounts for more things that seem to have value.
2: Like what's a thing that it accounts for that LTV doesn't? Bitcoin. LTV can account for Bitcoin. There's just no value in it because there, there isn't any socially necessary labor required to produce it. So let me give an example. So uh, let, let's take a pair of like the Gucci jeans that you've probably seen a picture of. They're like all ripped up in the front that like, at least we're, we're like, I'm from a farmer would look at that and go, that is the most useless thing. Why would I spend $400 on a pair of already ripped up jeans? What? So that has a price. It's $400. If I remember from the meme, I think it was like, four- anyway, let's just say it's $400. Yeah. So it has a price, but there really isn't any like use value to that, to the farmer. But nobody's going to say that there wasn't labor expended to produce that product. So it might not have a value in terms of a use to you, but that isn't to say, on, at least under the labor theory of value, that it has no value. So there can, be things, there, there can be things that have value but no use in the LTV that can be accounted for, and there can be things that uh, have use but have no value in the LTV that can be accounted for. The idea that the LTV doesn't account for things because of the description or the definition of value that it uses, I just don't think is a defensible objection.
3: Okay, let's go back to like what What do you think are the advantages of this model? What do you think it does better than the current... It
2: provides an accurate analytic method, or an accurate analysis of the development of human society and the reasons why it seems that our ability to to develop into the future is being restricted. I would argue that that is being restricted as a result of the mode of production under which we live and that the way that it what's, is structured and what it incentivizes do, um, the productive forces.
3: What productive forces are being restricted?
2: Uh, So just to give some examples, I think that there's absolutely no reason why humans couldn't be utilizing largely nuclear energy to power everything. The reason that's not being done is because there's no incentive to transition to that by the capitalists who own all of the capital and the resources that would be requisite to a transition because they can already make billions of dollars just continuing to do what they do. So they have no incentive to continue to advance the technologies that we have, Uh, implement them in society to make our societies more efficient and more sustainable. That's just one. One example
3: well it's false the reason nuclear isn't adopted is because people are afraid of it and they voted out
2: i disagree that uh, uh, any marxist would disagree because the development of society isn't isn't rooted in ideas that was the primary criticism that marx had with with hegel is that idealism doesn't work we have to be realists about this it isn't whether things accord or disaccord with our ideas that drive society forward it's The antagonism between the classes is a result of the restriction of the productive the development of the productive forces.
3: Okay, well that's very, very easy to disprove. Religion. You're an atheist, right? We're both atheists. We don't believe in God sky daddies. But God sky daddy had a really big impact on people's societal development, didn't it? Absolutely. So doesn't that prove Marxism wrong there?
2: I I would I guess I would need you to walk. Me through that. I'm really he said, not. He said that the growth of
3: society isn't based on the ideas; it's based on uh, the labor theory or whatever. And I'm saying no. The ideas actually do have a significant impact. uh People believing in a magical sky daddy who isn't going to flood the world again has a big impact on, say, climate change. Um, and so the ideas people have have a profound impact on. Oh, society. I agree.
2: I, I should clarify. I wasn't saying that ideas like don't mean anything. It's that a religious person might have a set of ideas based on their religion, but at the end of the day, they're going to engage in the things that meet the material conditions they need to continue to survive, regardless of honestly, whether that aligns with their religion or not. And I think, T-Jump, correct me if I'm wrong, that you would probably agree with that. That's what it's saying. It's not that there aren't, ideas don't matter to us, but that, At the end of the day, the ideas that I have aren't what's driving me to do what I do. My 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 need to meet the material conditions that I live under—finding food, finding water. I mean, obviously that that those terms. Global
3: warming. What about opposite? So so people who are going against the material needs. We have a material need to save the planet and not burn to death. They have a bunch of religious guy daddy believes that don't. In virtue of what is that our
2: material it. need? Most people would be more Survive. concerned with putting food on their table than they would be yeah. voting for the right people to change. Like, I mean, you're right when you say that, like, there's a lot of this stuff most people just really don't care about. But that that's part of the point is that the ways people, like, I think that we should, and I, I would imagine you probably too, that this is a problem we should address. We need to address climate change. We need to start. But how many like protests have you been at for that? How many politicians have you sat down with? I'm not saying that you haven't done that, but if I had to guess, that's probably going to be minimal compared to you doing other things that bring you an income in whatever way so that you can me meet income. your your material conditions. Yeah, I mean you do what you do on YouTube, but what I'm talking about is like like going to Washington and talking to the politicians. Most people, like me and you and others who want desperately want change to be made, we're not doing those things because they're not going to immediately satisfy the material conditions under which we live. That's what Marx meant when he said ideas don't matter, is that ideas matter to people, but not to the development of society. People don't act always based on...
3: So I'm lost. I'm I'm, I'm making... I'm I'm losing the connection here between ideas and don't help with the development of society and what you mean by development of society. Because when I think development of society, I think electricity, light bulbs, uh, Faraday, yes. literally nothing but ideas. Quantum mechanics, spacecraft, space travel, ideas and nothing but ideas. The cotton mill, ideas, I think nothing but ideas. Do you
2: think scientists would have developed ideas because they thought it was cool or because they're yes. scientists and they're paid to do it and they need the money to continue to live? Both. Yeah. But which one do you think would be more rudimentary if, if either?
3: Oh, uh, you have no idea. I, I mean, I've read studies of both. Like I would say that
2: both. scientists de- further develop science, not because, well, this idea is cool. Let's see what other people think. I mean, the end of the day, that's probably what they're gonna say, but they're doing well, it because like, they're I'm paid m-
3: it. most notable scientists throughout history were not paid and did this specifically just because they thought it was cool. Ludman Boltzmann invented the atom. He never got credit for it, he committed suicide, got no no credit for it at all, got no pay for it. Um, made one of the greatest discoveries of all of mankind. So, there are many, many mathematicians, many, many scientists where that happens all the time. Women scientists, especially in history, do it just because it's cool, they're never gonna get any credit for it. So yeah. I, I i don't know the numbers on that but yes they do both
2: okay uh that bears on marxism in a negative way how
3: i have no idea you just asked the question like do i think the scientists do it for money or they do they do it because it's cool and i think both
2: well yeah i just don't see how that that would bear on my both. yeah that's a... you asked the question i have no yeah, idea no i'm why... just saying that's a fine answer like there's nothing wrong with your answer i just don't see how that answer would bear on on marxism
3: people i don't see how the question bears on marxism i guess what
2: i'm trying to say is people act in ways that bring them the things that they need the most immediately people are going to do what they need to do to survive if if the things that you need to survive you don't have to actively go out and seek and do things to get then you're free to pursue other things for most of history the people that developed science and math and technology and art were wealthy people. They were aristocrats. They were the people that were learned, that could read, that could write, that had money because they had that free time to pursue those ideals. The serfs didn't. How, and I'm sure you, you, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you would agree with me that there were probably a lot of other people that were speaking somewhat like metaphorically here, like Einsteins or what have you out there, but nobody ever heard of them because they didn't have the ability to really share their ideas and develop them because they didn't have the time because they were focused with meeting their needs.
3: Sure, but every single academic model says that. Why is this special to Marxism?
2: Well, uh, yeah, every economic model says that, including Marxism. That wouldn't necessarily be a point against Marxism. Marxism would say that that's going to be an intrinsic part of any, any model. It's just that we should have models that afford as many people as we can the ability to actually pursue the things that, that they would like to do rather than being forced to work for somebody else to make ends meet to continue to exist.
3: Sure, and pretty much every economic model says that also. So I've not seen how this. I don't see how
2: up- capitalism says that.
3: Yeah, it does capitalism would say we should, if we have the means to do so, give everyone the means to do that in order to expand? What the does capitalism
2: do to bring that to fruition?
3: Um, if we don't have enough resources, so it means do I things.
2: disagree. See, I just disagree with that. What? I, we produce enough food to feed 10 billion people globally. There's 8 billion people on the planet globally. We waste a third of the food that we produce.
3: Actually, it wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do that because to be able to transfer the food would cost more, and it wouldn't be feasible. yeah, it would cost we could definitely feed more. more.
2: It only you know. costs something under what kind of system, a profit incentivized system.
3: Like if we in, lived under
2: a system where there was – you didn't – It doesn't matter. Do it doesn't, the the money value money here isn't what it matters. Don't it's, you it's think that we would have cost, more of an incentive to deliver food to people? Because we're not concerned with whether we're going to make money on
3: it. We're doing it because that's what we should do. That's not what I mean by cost. By cost, I mean the amount of technology and work that has to be put into something to get food from like arable countries like America to Africa or whatever. You don't
2: think we have the logistics to get food to like at least – so they, yeah, like that's this is kind of, our, like, of Literally every single individual, I think that that. But like if we could reduce what is global hunger right now, like sixteen percent or something like that. It's sure. somewhere around like twenty percent. I I think somewhere, if sure. that was reduced to like below five percent, you're saying we don't have the logistics to do that? No. Yeah, I, I just. Disagree. I, we have the logistics to take people out with lasers on drones that are thousands of feet in the air in the most remotest places in the I world. Like do I don't lasers. understand. Lasers
3: cannot do that. We cannot cannot do that.
2: Yeah, they can't. lasers um, can
3: direct rockets. They can't bore yeah, people that, that's out.
2: What I'm trying to say. Okay, I just don't understand. So, so what that, that was when one when of the criticisms I brought up earlier. Technological advancement. I that's just one
3: disagree. One of the criticisms I brought up earlier is the implementation of this kind of system. It decreases the – a lot of it has a lot of problems. When you try to implement this system, it never, ever works. That's why we've never seen it well, work.
2: Well, under the ways in which it's attempted to be implemented. I can just disagree with those, though. I don't think that bears on the merits of Marxism because Marxism doesn't describe a mode of implementation. That's left up to the person. I can agree that everybody thus far who's tried to implement it didn't do it very well.
3: Okay. So if we have no – past evidence of this model being successfully implemented, we should accept it because why?
2: Because those past attempts at implementing it don't bear on the the merits of the model itself because the model doesn't prescribe a way to implement it. It's like saying, I have there's this cool idea. It doesn't tell you how we should should put it into practice in the world, but this is how I think we should do it. And we should kill millions of people to do it. I, I could just disagree with that. But I don't think that bears on the merits of the model because that person said, this is what we ought to do to implement it. That's what they thought, not what Marx thought.
3: Well so, so like if i'm I'm running a country and I'm trying to pick whatever epistemic model to I want to use to try to assess how I should run this country and I have one model that has a bunch of people who've tried it and all failed and one model that a bunch of are running are literally running all of the richest most powerful countries in the world who have the best economies, which should I pick?
2: I guess I'm not understanding the question. I, I, I wouldn't look at what model we should implement based necessarily on the ways that we should implement it. I would look at the merits of the model. But that depends on whether the model itself prescribes a method of implementation. Because if it doesn't, then no way in which you implement it is ever going to bear on the merits of the model because the model doesn't prescribe a method of implementation. I don't actually know. I think I would say that capitalism provides a, a mode of implementation
3: again so the question here is the whole point of the debate is you're making a positive claim marxism is good and i'm trying to say i'm i'm running a country and you're saying you're promoting this system and to me like I'm, I'm running the country and you're saying you should use this system and i'm saying why like i i have this very good system called capitalism or mixed economies I'm like i'm Capitalism on its own isn't good, so I agree with that. Mixed economies are the best. All of the best countries in the world use mixed economies. They have the best results. They've had the best results for the past thousand years. These work really, really well. Why should I get rid of this extremely good model that has the least hunger, least death, least suffering, best health, best of everything in the world to adopt yours?
2: Um well I, I guess i would disagree that like under capitalism we have the best healthcare and all that stuff uh, obviously it doesn't have the best healthcare but it's got a more capitalist based healthcare system than any other country on the planet and it, out, of, or I should say, out of the developed countries on the planet, but the worst health, or at least some of the worst healthcare outcomes, we, and we some we of the back, highest back, prices. So, so what there, I said, there,
3: remember, there was, wait,
2: I think it's tangential. There was something else you said. I wanted you said. Did you? I just want to make sure I heard you right. You said that you agree capitalism in and of itself isn't really that. Yeah, kind of, like
3: laissez-faire supercapitalist anocarpism is stupid. Why? Because it doesn't work as well. All the evidence shows. Yeah, why evidence doesn't works it better. work? What? I'm just going off the empirical data and just literally, well, yeah, work.
2: I'm not disagreeing. I'm just asking you to kind of explicate it. Why don't you think it works? Like, what does the data that you're reading say about why it doesn't work? I guess,
3: uh, that's a different topic.
2: Well, but what I'm what I guess what I'm trying to get at is it seems then that we're agreeing capitalism as a mode of production,
3: yeah, yes, pure, doesn't unregul- work.
2: like it, it, it's a failure.
3: Yes, I agree, pure, unregulated. And capitalist, capitalism is well. Stupid. That's just what
2: capitalist. That's what Marx was criticizing. Was a capitalist mode of production, which I mean, we are technically still a capitalist mode of production. He would have so, also so criticized making, nation there's a states difference regulating them.
3: There's a difference between just complete laissez-faire capitalism and mixed economies. So mixed economies, very, very successful. So mixed economies are like in the middle.
2: When you say mixed, I can you break that open for me a little bit?
3: It's the technical term for what we call the current economic system in most Western countries that have like a mix of socialist policies and communist policies.
2: Countries have a socialist?
3: Socialist policies like All this, welfare states.
2: I don't think a welfare state is socialist.
3: I, this is, this is what, what mixed, does a, mixed economy is the technical term. It's a technical term in economics for a mixture of certain kinds of capitalist policies and socialist policies. I hear it I in didn't the make it up.
2: literature, but I have to say I've never – Talked with a PhD economist. used that term. They always say what I like. The term I use: neoclassical political economy. I'm not denying that mixed economy is a term. Obviously, it's a term. I, I. I. It's just, I. I don't know what you mean when you say mixed, because capital accumulation is still private, and ownership of capital is still private. That's what capitalism is. Sure, our nation states regulate the system so that it runs a little bit more fairly. I think that's a point against capitalism. I'm not necessarily arguing against I mean, I am, but I'm not. I'm defending Marxism. Marxism just criticizes capitalism. But uh, I would say that's not necessarily a point in favor of specifically Marxism, but certainly a point against capitalism that in order for it to operate properly, we, we have to regulate that system.
3: So let me let me finish the statement this time. So mixed economies okay. are in the middle. Capitalism is like the far right. Marxism socialism is like the far left. And neither of the far right or the far left work. They both garbage every time they're implemented in uh, extremes. They completely fail. But this part in the middle works really well. Everywhere In virtual most of successful.
2: What? I mean, there's billions of people that go without the requisite food they need. There's billions of people that don't have clean water. Which there's is billions still of more than the extremes. But I fail... To see, I name, don't think that we've Marxist ever country seen
3: it. That that there has is less no Marxist people. country. I don't yes. even know what that phrase yes. means. Exactly. Yeah, I just
2: don't know what that phrase means to say Marxist country. It would be like saying um a uh physics country. I'd I, like be physics a beautiful is just country a way, physics is just a way of understanding something. That's all Marxism is, is an analytic method. Uh,
3: so so like taking Marx's ideas to their extreme. Um, versus taking capitalism to its extreme. But
2: I don't advocate for that. I don't care about people who took Marx's ideas. I'm I'm sorry, I just, I don't care about like Leninism or Stalinism or Maoism. <sighs> I see those as bastardizations of Marxism that didn't really capture a lot of the, the strictures laid out by Marx or Engels. That's why I'm an Orthodox Marxist and not this, a this Leninist is, or a Stalinist or a Trotskyist or whatever.
3: This is why, like I brought up at the very beginning, it's completely unclear what you're advocating for. So say I'm, I'm running well, I'm, a country- I'm not, like,
2: advocating i'm i'm defending marxism as an analytic methodology and that i think that's a successful method what
3: what you mean by those words is what's unclear so say i'm running a country and you're going to bring this to me what would i do with it if i accepted it
2: i don't i don't understand the question i wouldn't use marxism to tell you what to do i guess it would it would Marxism doesn't tell us what to do to That's make what I'm the world. I'm
3: asking a very much, much, much more basic question. So you're coming to me with some information and I'm supposed to accept this information and use it over some other information to do something, presumably. Oh, so why
2: should we use information X over information Y
3: well, to describe what... what
2: we do, whatever that may be? Is that kind of...
3: Sort of, yeah. I'm looking for a very, very basic trying to understand. Well, I, I would, your... yeah, I would just
2: say um, information X gives us more accurate, a more accurate understanding of the nature of human society than information Y.
3: Then, wh- what is information Y, and why do you think ne- that?
2: What capitalist economics, like neoclassical political economics, would be Y, mm-hmm. and Marxism would be X. I think Marxism mm-hmm. provides a more meaningful what? and accurate description of the development of human society than neoclassicalism. How? well neoclassical political economics economics is. um well, well two, two, in, questions, in two
3: questions one is how and one is why does this matter let's say let's say I accept this what difference is this going to make in future like if I take this model over the capitalist model what difference is it going to make in future
2: it doesn't necessarily have to make a different I all like I'm not saying that Marxism means we do something. All I'm saying is that Marxism is meaningful as an analysis. We can just use Marxism to analyze our political economic systems and then do nothing, do nothing to change them. Marxism doesn't tell us what to change or how to change it or when it's going to change or why or where or anything like that. It's just a way of looking at something and describing how it works.
3: So the only thing you're advocating for is using the Marxist model to look at – To look at the capitalist
2: mode of production and derive, uh, to essentially, I'm sorry to interrupt, but to to essentially, it is going to be somewhat flowery language, so forgive me, but uh, to sort of derive the equations of motion of the capitalist mode of production.
3: Okay, I have no idea what that means.
2: To sort of examine that mode and say, given this understanding, this is how it's going to work, and thereby, this is what we should see. And I would say largely that is what we have seen.
3: Okay, give me more of the examples of the things that we would expect to see under Marxism that wouldn't Rising be Rising
2: inequality between the ownership class and the, the laborer class is another prediction.
3: Okay, who, who doesn't I make definite, that prediction?
2: I, I don't necessarily think that a capitalist mode of production would w- at least want to predict that. Um.
3: Does I don't know of any really... system that doesn't predict that. I think every system literally predicts that. I don't think that. capitalism I think biology does. literally predicts that.
2: I don't in virtue of what?
3: Uh it's just the, the way the accumulation of resources work over time just entropy, literally entropy. That's literally But entropy. but I
2: would disagree. I think for actually up until about 8 to 10,000 years ago human society didn't operate that way. What? It was significantly more communal, obviously in a very barbaric and simplistic manner, but it was very tribal and and that, clan related, it, it was based on communes, yes, local the, communes shared every, sure, that's fine, but that doesn't bear that, on the I fact mean, the that big these were communes that the small shared, clans. sure, but that doesn't bear on the fact that these were communes that shared their resources. They didn't have people that absorbed 90% of them. Well, you know, one person in a clan of 100 that absorbs 90% of the resources, but the rest, the other 99 are stuck with only 10%. You, this wasn't how it worked.
0: Right, but but sure, the they, clans, they they warred they, and
2: stole from each other. That's fine. Marxism doesn't say that didn't happen. It's not talking about the 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 ways in which they fought with each other. It was talking about their structure.
3: Right. So, what the structure there would be the clans absorb ninety percent of the profits and the other clans, but share them,
2: them amongst all of the members. Sure, right. Sure, Largely, sure. So you can say okay, a body, okay,
3: like a human body, my body can accumulate ninety percent of the resources and I share it with the rest of the cells of my body, and that would be the same thing.
2: I don't think that it would be possible for one individual to accumulate 90% of the resources that a commune collected because I don't know what it would mean to say that the commune collected these resources if only one person did.
3: So so like when we say a commune collects 90% of the resources, the whole point of the conversation was is pretty much every model predicts that one organism or group is going to take 90% of the resources. How does capitalism predict that? everyone it's literally just biology and entropy yeah but how like
2: where's the inference at what
3: i'm not i'm not following so how do we get
2: from capitalism and therefore there is naturally going to be a level of inequality don't you think a system that's going to create inequality should be a system that we should probably say hey maybe we shouldn't do that
3: that's literally physics so like you're saying reality we shouldn't do reality
2: I don't. I guess I'm not understanding. I don't know what about physics says that societies are necessarily unequal. I don't think that's a physical or an empirical claim.
3: Like they're well, all okay, they're
2: not. It might be potentially empirical, but I, I don't but think it's like there's physics.
3: No there's no way to equally distribute all resources across all space and time exactly equally at all times. It's it's impossible. We can't. Do that it. Marxism doesn't say that. Which means there's going to be inequality. So every system predicts. Well, yeah, Marxism. Inequality.
2: That's what Marxism says is that under a capitalist mode of production, there is intrinsically going to be inequality because you have two classes of people.
3: All all systems predict this. Every. I'm still not prediction.
2: understanding how capitalism predicts this.
3: Because capitalism, capitalism admits about it, there's going to be a dis- distribution of resources based on luck.
2: Why should resources be distributed based on luck?
3: Because of where you're born, your biology. So if you're your genes, if you're
2: unlucky, you should just starve to death. It's not. It's like, not
3: should. It's going to happen. So it, prediction doesn't mean it should happen. It's saying it's going to happen. So yes, capitalism predicts analysis? it's going to happen that there is going to be separate groups of people: the smart ones, the dumb ones, the healthy ones, the unhealthy ones, the fast ones, the slow ones. Cap. Every model predicts there's going to be a distribution of groups.
2: Yeah, I don't think capitalism predicts this so much as it just being an intrinsic feature. I think it's an, a feature of capitalism, but I don't think capitalism said, "If we implement this system, this is what's going to happen."
3: No, no, because capitalism starts. This is the way it already is.
2: Yeah, so it's not a prediction. It's just a. It's a feature.
3: No, it's feature of reality, not capitalism. I'm saying so, this is the way reality is, and we expect this to happen, and then we're going to implement the system to try to mitigate that.
2: I, I just disagree that that's like a feature of reality that can't be changed.
3: I have no idea how to even, like, do you think some people are going to, there's a way to change that everyone is equally has the same intelligence and opportunities at hundred percent equal rate everywhere, no matter what? Is that possible? No,
2: I, I wouldn't defend that claim. I'm talking but, about material conditions, not things that you're born with.
3: Those are material conditions. Um, so no, like,
2: your intelligence isn't a material condition, according to Marxism. Your material conditions would be the resources you have available to you to continue to live: the food, the water, the shelter. In the modern day and age, you could yeah, also. and, and those are also like going to be different based on location.
3: And you, you think those can all be sure. equalized everywhere, all over the world, no matter what?
2: Uh well, oh, it would depend on what you mean by equalize. Uh, otherwise, no.
3: Right, so there's going to have to be two classes. It's going to be some with less, some with. Well, I don't think that
2: there has to be. I think that there is. I just don't think it has to be that way. I think for majority of human history, it wasn't.
3: So, so you're saying it's possible to equalize this in perpetuity across the entire planet to make sure there's no more class distinctions?
2: Uh, is it possible? Absolutely.
3: Okay, that's ridiculous.
2: Why inverts? Why?
3: Because not all of the fresh water is in spread out enough to do that. Not all of the food, not all the air. So, you, land yeah, is when you yet.
2: have more than what you need, you share. That could. Yes. That's a thing that could be done.
3: Yes. And it's still, which means to share means you're going to take the fresh fruit in one location and transport it for weeks to a different location. And the further you transport you think it, would the take less weeks? Fresh it's going to get. Yes. We like, can go
2: from it. a port in China to a port in the United States and like, 10 days why, why would it take weeks because
3: then you have to put it in a truck and you have to drive it across like the entire land from different ports to like the edge of africa like it takes weeks to but go yeah, from but one... why would they
2: send it to a port in the united states to then be sent to africa oh my God. i mean that does happen under capitalism and i would argue that's because they're any seeking profits, port, any
3: port you can send it to any port you're still going to have to drive it and the driving is going to take a long time. There's lots of terrain, like mountainous terrain, which is very hard I'm to get over. Not
2: understanding the objective. What is this? What it's what going to take weeks
3: this? to get resources from America with lots of arable land to places. Well, that, that means we can't
2: land. do it because it's going to take some time. That means to there's get going the to be a class there.
3: difference. There's going to be a class difference between the people who have How it right does away. does that
2: mean? There's going to so because it's going to take weeks to get resources places. Therefore, there's always going to be class, classes. That's class I'm not difference. Understanding. Congratulations. Yes. That is that is not what class means in a in a Marxist framework. No.
3: Yeah, because Marxism is stupid. It doesn't recognize. Reality. Yeah, but you,
2: I don't think you've really given an argument for why. Yeah, Marx I literally, is stupid. I literally
3: have explained just basic reality. No one's going to be equal. You're never going to get everyone. To yeah, I just disagree with of... that.
2: I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily true. Then why that, should then, I think, that's true? I, like, well, think yeah,
3: that's, that's true? I win the debate. Like if you can't. Well, yeah, but like, well, yeah, saying that because you
2: don't agree with me, I win the debate, isn't telling no, it, me if, if you, if why I should me, agree with you.
3: If you don't agree with just obvious facts about reality, yeah, but what makes it an
2: obvious fact of reality? That's what I'm asking. literally, I
3: literally just explained that. I literally. Just explain. I that. don't
2: think that you did.
3: Then you're dumb. But well, I'm ready to that's to not really A, an I, I, objection I, I'm, I'm to my AR you
2: I'm not really hearing an objection.
3: I don't know I what can't, it is that I can't you think further, you destroyed. I can't further explain basic facts about reality. like Yeah, but you, you say you they're basic facts, facts,
2: but then you can't tell me in virtue of what no, you are basic I literally, okay, so I literally
3: did. I literally did. Okay, so
2: then give me an example of no, what you said is a basic fact and in virtue of what. So then do it no, again because I'm, I'm not understanding. Again. Shut up! I'm, I'm an idiot. Again. Like you said, I'm an idiot and I'm stupid
3: and I don't understand what you're saying. Stop talking. So do this. I'm literally doing it. So
1: You guys want to go to Q&A?
3: Yes. We've got three minutes. I'd
2: like to use all of them up.
3: No, I want to move to Because I want so to hear stupid.
2: I want to hear an objection. So to as, as I said I before, you
3: will yet. never be able to balance all of the needs of life to everyone on the planet. In virtue of what? Yeah, you've stupid. made that
2: claim. So why should stupid. I think why should I think that claim because is?
3: Because more arable land is in one location than another. It's harder then to get to the other one. Why does that mean that resources
2: cannot be equitably distributed? In because virtue of
3: it's what? harder to get to some point. In virtue than of others. what
2: does it being harder mean it cannot be done? It was hard to put a person on the moon. Teach jump, you don't think we did that? Oh do you think it was easy to do that? Yeah, I don't understand. You're saying it's hard to do this therefore it can't be done. That's not an argument. You're not giving me the inference.
3: If it's harder to give $1 to one person further away than it is to one person that's closer, then guess what's going to happen? The person who's closer is going to get it faster and easier and get to use it more well i think that depends fact. on the,
2: the system that you live under under capitalism i would think that i would say this, that. I this is that why that marxism
3: dies and it fails in every country yeah I'm you really haven't really
2: shown that. why that's the case literally
3: have i literally just No, you it. haven't
2: okay then summarize you can take the last two minutes summarize i'm it. good
3: i've explained it so clearly that everyone in the chat understands it i'm ready to go i on.
2: don't think so no okay
1: well i think then we'll just go ahead and move on to q a uh ladies and gentlemen Man, that uh, both of our <laughs> <Holy shit. laughs> uh, well time is relative when you're, you're uh listening in. Uh, ladies and gentlemen both of our guests are linked in the description below so if you like what you heard if you're moved by what you heard please uh check them out uh whether you're listening on the podcast or on youtube uh so with that i just want to say um Super chats do get priority, but uh, if you do have a question for one of the tonight's debaters, you can tag me at Modern Day Debates. Um, <clears throat> just want to say that uh, insults will not be read. Uh, anything that violates YouTube's T- TOS or uh, hate speech, anything like that, uh, those will be just skipped over or edited for <laughs> charitability. Um, but uh, yeah. So I will go ahead and start reading the questions, but go ahead and send the super chats if you want. Uh we don't have that many on the list right now. Uh All so right, well. I'm going to go ahead and start the timer now. All right, first question from Bubblegum Gun for $2 says at T jump is the quantum field a particle? Yes or no?
3: No, but it is still physical. He's ref- I debated him earlier like today or yesterday or something.
1: Gotcha. Uh
2: from Neon Noir.
1: You're
3: muted. You're you've, you've Oh, yourself. I was
2: just going to say, how did you, I was going to, because I was wondering why he was bringing but then you mentioned it. I was say, how do you get from Marxism to a quantum?
3: What am quantum. I missing? <laughs> yeah, he made the argument. And- I, I brought up quantum fields as an alternative to God. And he said, well, quantum fields aren't matter and they're not particles, so they can't be physical. And that was his argument.
1: Okay, gotcha. Uh, from Neon Noir says, why reject Lenin and Stalin when all they did was try to implement your ideas? Just because of the outcome?
2: Uh, No, I don't think they tried. I don't think you get to tell me whether somebody tried to implement my ideas. I'm an orthodox Marxist, so I don't think they tried to implement my ideas. People like Trotsky and Lenin and Stalin, they – they, they they were Marxians in the sense that they believed in a lot of what he said, but they believed that the way to implement it was through a vanguard party led by a strong leader who establishes a dictatorial state in favor of the proletariat. But Marx was very critical of nation states and did not believe that a nation state being utilized to bring about some like sort of revolution was going to be a successful thing because a nation state is itself a hierarchical system. And Marx was very critical of hierarchical systems. So it's just, they weren't implementing my, my ideas or what I thought.
1: we respond to that TJ. Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Uh, from Alan green for $10 says uh, quote from investopia. Most of the blame for the subprime crisis, is on the mortgage originators or the lenders. End quote. They consist of retail banks, mortgage bankers, and mortgage and mortgage brokers.
3: It's the mortgage brokers; those were the intermediaries. This is another those quote. Sorry,
1: They're, these are two quotes back to back. Sorry.
3: Yeah, the mortgage brokers were the ones that I was talking about the intermediaries.
1: Anybody want to? That's it. Okay. Uh, from Mark Reed for $5 says uh, T jump why do why do people need exactly the same resources wouldn't people have what wouldn't people that have access to an equal amount of resources be of the same
3: class no because if it takes like resources have to go from one location mm-hmm. to another and it takes weeks, the level of freshness goes down for example as one possibility um, electricity when it goes over locations it decreases in its potency of electricity distance and location have a huge impact on the quality of the goods that you're transporting so if it takes longer to get quality of goods from one location to another they're going to be lower quality so there's going to be a class difference between the people who get the lower quality stuff and people who get the higher quality of stuff where it's produced fish fish is an example
2: Yeah, I would just say that I think that there could be resources produced in multiple countries. Africa is one that many countries like China, more so than the United States, unfortunately, are looking into or making actually quite, quite impressive um, investment into African countries. Africa could, because it has for thousands of years in the past, been a huge place for, I mean, Okay, me personally, I would say that like Europe raped Africa for all its resources. Anyway, the like we sure we grow pears in Argentina, but why couldn't we grow them in like the Democratic Republic of the Congo? Yeah, I, I just this idea that land. like resources with the oh yeah, Africa has a lot of arable land. Yes, absolutely.
3: Well, like there's just different countries have different amounts of arable land. America has the most. Yes, so and I would
2: say different. that I don't see why humans, in in so socially speaking. Couldn't recognize how we need to produce things in different areas, but we can find ways to distribute that to all people in some equitable sense.
1: All right, gotcha. One second, real quick. All right, um, from bubblegum gun for two dollars says at t jump, it has to be a particle for it to be
2: physical.
3: You, you want to take that one, Leo? You, go for it.
2: Oh, I, no, nah, no. Nah, it's not, <laughs> it's just not, it's not even worth it. I, look, dude, go learn about canonical quantization and what a quantum, I'm just, I'm no, I'm not even, no.
1: Okay. Um, Sphincter of Doom for $5 says, the problem with Marx is the LTV. Which cannot be reconciled with time preferences or marginal utility without becoming the STV.
2: I disagree. It takes a different uh, uh, definition of value, but its ability to account for certain aspects of like non-productive areas of an economy isn't like moot as a result of that. It's just that it explains them differently. Also, if the subjective theory of value were true, I should be able to go buy a brand new Ford F-150 for $35,000 if I want. But if I walk into the dealership and say that, they're going to look at you and go, the dude's going to go, fuck this guy. Because value isn't subjective. I don't get to choose what I'm going to pay for what I buy. So then what is value if it isn't subjective? I think Marx does a good job of answering that question. And that's all I have.
3: My answer is better
1: Gotcha, so that is the end of our super chats list guys. So if you have a super chat uh, Up until the time that we run out of questions or the time runs out those questions will go straight to the top of the list And we will go on and move to the unpaid questions now oh, I time. got
3: I got a super chat on my ends from Lawson Harrison I can't wait for the communist revolution so that myself and 99% of the population can be artists youtubers and philosophers <laughs>
2: Unironically, that would be totally based if people could actually live in a society that allowed them to pursue the things they'd actually like to pursue.
1: No involuntary
2: impositions of will. Well,
3: I think his point is that most people wouldn't be doing anything productive like McDonald's workers. No, none of them. No, yeah, and no then farmers. McDonald's
2: wouldn't be a thing. Well, I yep. definitely think farmers would be a thing because farmers is like the oldest job in human history that's existed before the concept of commodification and capitalism
3: at a different rate though i think the rate and the amount of work would change significantly so i think i think most jobs would probably go away there probably wouldn't be most jobs and most people wouldn't be able to work because most yeah i think that
2: we would just end up automating those jobs
3: i don't think we can do that yet i don't think we have the technological ability to do that yet agi when it happens i'm all for it though
1: gotcha a uh, question from Germania asks if I have a channel, and I did link that in the description below. So thank you for asking that question. And then the question: Don't ever, from- don't
2: ever read anything from Gurmania on this channel ever again. Just don't. Do it.
1: <laughs> nah. Well, I nah. had to take the opportunity. I had to take the opportunity to plug my channel. So please subscribe to me. I have. I need more subscribers. So just gotta say that. Um, uh, from Ozzy... I don't know how to say this. Ozzy Z- Zaba. Uh, uh.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, Is China failing? Failing with respect to what standard? Agreed. I don't know what it means to say that somebody, somebody is failing simpliciter. Failure is given with respect to a standard generally where the actions, behaviors, or outcomes are out of accord with the standard being taken as prescriptive of those actions or behavior. So if you're trying to go to the store, but then somebody comes and team bones you and totals your car, and you don't ever make it to the store because you gotta wait for the police and you gotta write a report and it closes, then you failed, but only with respect to your standard, your desire to get to the store. So I don't know what it means to say that somebody is failing, but you attach no desire, no standard or nothing to it. I I don't know what that means.
3: I Think it's definitely failed morally. They're definitely evil in a lot of ways, but economically they are doing well They're doing very well. They're on the top of the countries of doing the most economic True. economically well
1: Oxy Zabbix zero that's how I'm gonna pronounce that name from now on Question from whoops says why do we do new better things? That's a quote from I believe one of you two why do we do new, better things? LOL, this dude just doesn't want to get it. Capitalists literally have no representatives but propaganda.
2: I don't know what that's... I'm sorry, it sounds like it might be more of a question for T-Jump. I should let him know. Uh, I think it's question. a criticism
1: of T-Jump. They're saying that capitalists literally have no representatives but propaganda.
3: I don't. I don't Why
1: mean... do we do new, better things?
3: Why do we do new, better things? Uh, for lots of reasons. Um, money efficiency... Better quality of life uh, because it's fun. Scientists do it because it's fun. There's lots of reasons, but again, all of history shows that mixed economies that are predominantly capitalist are better than pretty much everything else. So
1: okay. Uh, another question from Oxy Zabek Zero uh, for T Jump says, How do you think fruits from around the world end up in this in, in his local supermarket? And why fruit farmers so impoverished if they are so closed to such an in-demand resource?
3: Because we pay better. So like fish is a good example. Transporting fish means it's going to be less fresh and less tasty for everybody. It doesn't matter where you take it. So even here, I'm in Minnesota. If I'm trying to get like a lobster or something, we're going to be less fresh than if I get it in Maine. So there's going to be a class difference between the quality of the lobster I get versus the quality of the lobster you get in Maine. same thing applies to fruits same thing applies to corn same thing applies to everything so as you transport things the longer and further it is away the quality and the amount of energy it takes to get that to the location is going to decrease or increase relative to the stuff that you're sending and its quality is going to decrease
2: i guess i would just say that um I think T-Jump is using class to mean something different than at least a Marxist would say, because a Marxist isn't gonna say that class is given in terms of the quality of the material conditions or the material resources you have, but the quantity. So you might, you could be somebody who only makes 35K a year living in Maine. And when you go out and buy lobster, it's gonna be way fresher than um, let's say the Cup family that lives here in Sukup or uh, here in Iowa. If you've ever seen grain bids with the green Sukup, that's the family I'm talking about. But I don't think anybody would say that that means that Sukup is of a lower class than the, you know, making millions of dollars a year with a $100 million, your company under their ownership is of a lower class than somebody who makes 35k a year in maine simply because they can get fresher lobster it's not the quality of the material resources it's the quantity
1: gotcha we did get some more super chats in thank you so much guys uh send in your super chats we do have more time on the clock and james needs the uh, affirmation to uh be motivated to keep making more videos so it's from Jay grimes for ten dollars says uh at Agrami Marx was not critical of the nation state
2: for
3: him. He, he it would... was
2: necessary.
3: What? Uh, Agrami, his mic is muted. He said something. He, I saw his mouth. Well, no, him. no, I,
2: I said Agrami Mark, and then he started reading. And I realized, oh, he was saying at Agrami, and then after that was the, the start of the second. I don't know what that means at Agrami Marx. So
1: that's so what he's, that, that, he's saying.
3: That, uh, Leo, did you know that Marx? That's what he's saying so a- agrami is leo did you know that marx that's why in is leo Carl agrami marx... <laughs> I don't
2: get it. because it's... my display name on the screen is bill keel agrami oh i, agrami. A- have to, I, I forgot leo, about that last
1: name I, I remember the bill Kiel, but i don't remember the agrami part okay sorry okay uh marx was not critical of the nation state for him it was a necessity of current political economy and would pass into history like past societies he himself supported german nationalism
2: he literally said, Marx didn't criticize nation states, but here's how he criticized it, as saying that they're, they're requisite to the maintenance of the status quo under the systems that it is currently maintained, but that as we develop past that, the need for the nation state will disappear. Marx was certainly critical of the nation state. This is expressed in his drafts of civil war in France, as well as, I believe, it's either a second or his second or his first or his second volume of Capital, I can't remember. Because um, I've totally read all theory, uh, but, but yeah, he was quite critical of nation states because he viewed them as hierarchical systems that were oftentimes captured by the capitalist class and then capitalist class and then utilized by them to further their own interests, which almost always came, at least according to Marx, to the detriment of everyone else. So he, he would have been critical of, of nation states. Certainly, he was quite critical of, of nation states in virtue of them being hierarchical systems.
3: People are commenting on your cat.
2: Oh yeah.
1: He's a lonely, lonely boy. All right. From Ahmed Khan for 199 says smuggling of genes into the USSR. What? Ahmed Khan says for 199. Smuggling of genes into the USSR?
2: Like genes G-E-N-E or jeans J-E J. I, I don't. What's his point? He just made he's asked. Are, I have no I'm comments sorry, comments I don't I, you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I just I don't know what he's gonna have to send something else to clarify. I'm not understanding things like for they, me. They I'm they assuming it is. In I don't <laughs> yeah. The Soviet Union had no genes. There were no genes at all during the USSR. No, nobody had genes, apparently. I, I don't know a, what It's you, a it's conspiracy. Just,
1: this is the real reason why Ukraine's being invaded right now.
2: Stop <laughs> the import. Hashtag stop <laughs> the import of genes. Nobody likes to get rid of misinformation.
1: Okay, from Sphincter of Doom for $5 says, unfortunately, the geography of Africa is not as conducive to trade or transport as Europe
2: or the American continent. Yeah, I disagree. I think that history shows that's obviously false. There was massive amounts of trade into and out of Africa during the 1560 and 1700. That's just a historical fact. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with geography. I think it has to do with more socioeconomic Culture rather than geographic culture.
1: All right. From Medical Mastery for four ninety nine says T jump. Stick to politics and philosophy, not science. Materialism is dumb, so is communism. Pay me. Agree with you. Um, from Brandon Hansen uh, for 99 says Marx is a Methuselian. But just flipped the hierarchy structure. Also, he sucks.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know what. Wait, wait, wait! wait, wait, wait that I'm means. sorry.
1: Oh, oh, I'm he sorry. wasn't done. He wasn't done. I'm sorry. Um, also, he sucks. Alexander Hamilton, Henry Clay, Friedrich List, all are the real ones you need to know about.
2: I know a little bit about them. I but with respect to what he said to Marx, with the first thing, I genuinely I don't know what that means. With respect to, Marx is dumb. Okay, sure, you can think that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with people thinking that Marx was dumb. There's probably more people to think that he was than that he wasn't.
1: Well, apparently, he sucks a lot. So, uh, that is all the super chats at the list. And we will go back to the uh, unpaid questions now. So, if you have a super chat, send it in. And they will go straight to the top of the list. We will ask them next. Uh, from, uh, did I read this already? Yes, I did. Uh, from Darth Revan asks to the Marxist, are you suggesting we go back to tribal clan times? What logical sense does that make?
2: I don't recall saying or even insinuating that at any point what I said or at any point in this discussion. Um, I think what I said was that societies prior to about ten to 12,000 years ago, that's how they were. Um, I don't think I said anything about that that means we should go back to that. I don't want to wear nasty-ass, very, very poorly-made clothing. It's largely, like, fiber and mud that's just slapped onto my skin. Like, no, I, I, I... No. I don't understand this, asking questions that don't even have anything even remotely to do with what the person is arguing.
1: Okay. Let me just check to see. It looks like that's all the questions we have.
2: Less call for alcohol. Get them I, I, I know. So there was a question, another question from Germania for T-Jump. Would you mind if I read that since I've got it right sure. here? No, no, no. By all means, please. He said, uh, question for T-Jump. Is there at least one facet of Marxism that you would agree with or appreciate?
3: Um... Not sure how to answer that. I mean, I guess so. There's lots of different platitudes in it that are just truisms that I agree with because they're truisms. Um, I mean, it's definitely not the most wrong system. It's like gets many things right.
1: Okay. I did see another question just came in. Let me see if I can. A uh, question for T-Jump is there at least one oh you just read that <laughs> sorry <laughs> man way behind okay well i guess we're yeah germania
2: likes to likes to fuck with people that's why you should never read his question never read his questions again germania you know or... i love you ger
1: no no we're done okay well i guess we'll wrap it up folks uh so before I before we go I would just like to thank the moderators in the chat I want to thank James for creating this platform thank you everyone in the audience for joining us tonight and for elevating the conversation with your super chats and your questions um thank you to uh the debaters you guys are the lifeblood of the show thank you for joining us here tonight and for uh showing your ideas and for everybody that's out there tonight like it if you loved it share it if you want to spread it and subscribe because we have plenty more debates coming your way you don't want to miss our uh, speakers are linked in the description below check them out do it now thank you so much everybody have a great night and remember to keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable have a great night